Welcome to 7-Minute Explainers. I'm Jesse Wright Mendoza, and today I'd like to tell you about one of the most important scientific breakthroughs of the 21st century. It's called CRISPR-Cas9, and it's a technique that allows scientists to make very, very specific edits to DNA. Those little molecular strands that make you, you. It targets a section of genetic code, snips it out, and replaces it with new genetic material. The thing is, CRISPR isn't some super high-tech piece of lab equipment. It's actually a commonly occurring trait already found within genomes themselves. It's just that now, scientists have figured out how to harness it. CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, stands for Clustered, Regularly Interspaced, Short, Palindromic, Repeat, which is a section of DNA that contains repeated sequences of nucleotides with bits of DNA, called spacers, in between. In the late 1980s, Japanese scientists studying E. coli bacteria noticed these identical repeated sections within the microbe's DNA. They had a hunch that these patterns served some kind of purpose. They just weren't sure what. As time went on, scientists encountered these mysterious matching segments of DNA in nature, plants, animals, and even in humans. In 2007, researchers studying bacteria in yogurt noticed the bacteria using CRISPR as a defense mechanism against invading viruses. See, the bacteria deploys these unique strands of nucleotides to essentially steal pieces of DNA from the virus. It then patches that foreign DNA into its own genetic code. CRISPR's immune defense works by taking those stolen bits of virus DNA and making a copy of it, which is known as RNA. Now, RNA can't do anything on its own. It needs a ride. So, it latches onto a nearby protein enzyme, and together, they hunt down invading viruses that match the RNA. Once they find one, the enzyme then cuts the virus DNA in two, preventing it from replicating. The enzyme is the Cas9 in CRISPR-Cas9. Researchers began to realize that they could harness this biological process, and that's when things really started to heat up. Around 2012, Two separate teams of scientists, one at Berkeley and one at the Broad Institute in Cambridge, Massachusetts, realized that they could use the Cas9 enzyme like a pair of scissors, snipping into strands of DNA and removing or replacing sections of their choice. They just swapped CRISPR's RNA with RNA identical to the gene they wanted to target. Then CRISPR-Cas9 did what it does best, hunt down the matching DNA sequence for the cuts sort of like a biological find-and-replace. So what makes this new gene editing tool so revolutionary? Well, when put up against other methods of gene editing, it's faster, cheaper, and more efficient. Visualize for a moment the twisted scaffolding of the famous DNA double helix. One of the reasons that CRISPR-Cas9 is so efficient is that it cuts through both strands of the double helix at once, which means that the desired gene mutation can be achieved in fewer steps than with other methods. Take lab mice, for example. These little guys are indispensable to scientists who study human diseases. 
They are engineered with the specific gene mutation that is being studied, whether it be cancer, obesity, or Parkinson's disease. In traditional gene editing, it takes several generations to produce a mouse with the desired gene mutation. With CRISPR, the mutation is present in the first generation, saving researchers untold amounts of time and money. What is the dark side of this technology? Of course, gene editing doesn't come without so conflict. Science creating so-called designer babes. While talk of designer babies and super soldiers makes for great headlines, the truth is that the use of CRISPR-Cas9 on humans, or human embryos, is years, if not decades, away. But the scientific community is already thinking about the ethical implications. And, at least in the U.S., the majority sentiment is that human trials should only proceed with extreme caution and should focus only on the treatment of diseased and defective genes. But CRISPR can and has already been used for good. In my studies, it's been successful in treating diseases like HIV, cystic fibrosis, and cataracts. CRISPR also has the potential to be used to eradicate invasive species or, say, stop mosquitoes from spreading malaria. Agricultural scientists are already experimenting with using CRISPR to stop citrus greening, a bacterial disease that has slashed the U.S. citrus harvest by half. So here's a question. A technology that is so efficient, with so many possible applications, is highly valuable. So who's raking in all the dough? The answer is messy. The technology underlying CRISPR-Cas9 has spent much of its young life embroiled in a patent war. On the one side, you have biologists backed by the University of California, Berkeley. On the other side, you have molecular biologists from the Broad Institute, supported by MIT and Harvard. Both published papers on the potential uses for CRISPR at roughly the same time, around 2012. The University of California filed their patent applications first, but the group from the Broad Institute paid more to have their applications fast-tracked. So their patents were issued first, before Berkeley's were even reviewed. And thus, a patent war was born. In early 2017, the Broad Institute won the first round. But the University of California immediately filed to appeal that decision. And with so much at stake in terms of profits and recognition, the fight is far from over. And that's it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Wright Mendoza, and thanks so much for listening.